where Matthew chapter 2, and I'm sure Mike must have been looking at my, my notes because I was going to start preaching on rejecting Christ. So there must be a message that, he, um, that God wants to share with this church because um, this whole issue that Mike just went right through about how Christ was rejected and I was sitting there thinking to myself, God, what are you saying to this church? So I want you to listen very carefully because God must be wanting a message to come out this morning. I don't know it, I don't understand what what he's doing in your hearts, but there's something in your heart that God really wants to nail down. So I'm not going to change what I'm going to say, it's going to say what what I've written down here, what God has given me, but I believe there's a message for every single person this morning. Mike said that we are aware that the, the masses are getting ready for their Christmas celebration. But in England, we know that Christ is the least thing on people's minds. And we should not be surprised. Because at the cross, people were saying at the cross, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want this man to reign over us. That's what they're saying at the cross. They rejected Jesus at the cross. But you think to yourself, well, you know, maybe they, they, they might be a bit more nicer to him as a baby. You know, everyone likes babies, don't they? They're all cute and sweet and they smell nice and they, you know, everybody likes babies. Everybody's heart gets melted at the, the thought of, of a baby. We all joined in praying for Joanna because a baby is coming. And you would have thought to yourself, that people would not reject Christ, even that as a baby. But they do. It happened. It happens now. It also happened right at the first entrance of Christ. And I'm going to show you how it happened. It happened in three ways. The first way we see, um, and it all begins with D, The first one now is disturbed. Look at the Bible reading. Here's the Bible reading. Um, So um, King Herod is speaking and he asks, where is the the wise men is speaking um, to the king and they say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. The Bible says that King Herod was disturbed. Now, the Herods, or or King Herod, he came in a line of Herods. If If you know any history, you know that like there were Caesars, there were also Herods. And these Herods, this one being one of them, They were a ruthless bunch of men. King Herod here, when he became king, actually murdered all of his sons, all of his his brothers, and killed and murdered his own mother because he didn't want anyone else having a right to his throne. They were a ruthless bunch of men. And King Herod was filled, his whole kingdom His whole palace was filled with gluttony, filled with lust, 
filled with murder and indulging the flesh. That is all what his kingdom was like. And that was his kingdom. But the reason why he was disturbed, because he heard that another kingdom was approaching. He heard another king was born. And that disturbed him. Why did it disturb him? Because he knew that if there's another king, that means there's going to be another kingdom. And if there's going to be another kingdom, that means that his kingdom was under threat. That means that his kingdom that, that consisted of, of lust and murder and, 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 and adultery and everything else that was dark and filthy, all that would be under threat. So he was disturbed that another kingdom was coming. Not only that, he was disturbed because he had people in his kingdom that was under his rule. He had subjects. He had slaves. He had those who obeyed him. Now, if another kingdom was coming, then he might lose his subjects. He might lose his slave. He might lose his power. So he was disturbed because another kingdom was coming. Now, why did Jesus come? The Bible tells us why he came. Over in 1 John, look at this. This is what the Bible says why Jesus came. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That was the reason why he appeared. That was the reason why he came. He came to destroy the devil's work. Like King Herod, Satan has a kingdom. Whether you want to believe me or not, I want to tell you, Satan has a kingdom. And all the crime that you see in our world today, all the people trafficking, all the prostitution, all the porn, all the filth, all the lying and stealing and murdering and adultery, all of that belongs to his kingdom. Not only that... But all, just like Herod, all the people who get involved in these things. Men, women, young adults, young and old. All the people who are wrapped up in these things are under the devil's control. This is what the Bible says. We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You need to understand this. There's only two kingdoms. You can only be in one or the other. You cannot be in both. There's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, but also there's the kingdom of Satan. And his kingdom is filled with all manner of filth and sin and wickedness and debauchery and every nastiness you can conceive in your mind that is his kingdom and you need to see this morning that if you are not born again if you're not a believer of Jesus Christ if you're not following Christ you're not in the kingdom of God you are in the kingdom of Satan there's no middle ground 
You can't say, well, you know what, I don't like the devil, I don't like Jesus, I'm going to stand right here. There's no middle ground. If you're in the kingdom of God, then you're not in that kingdom. And if you're not in the kingdom of God, then you are in the kingdom of Satan. Whether you're a nice housewife, a lovely, obedient child at home, and yet you do not know Christ. But here's the good news. The reason why Jesus came the reason why he appeared, the reason why the Son of God turned up in Bethlehem was to destroy the devil's work. In fact, Jesus said it himself. When Jesus was teaching uh, as he, uh, in a synagogue, he said this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The spirit of God is on me, says Jesus. You see those men in prison? You see those men and women enslaved by the devil? You see those men and women in the kingdom of darkness? The spirit of God has sent me to release them and to set them free. That's what he says. And you know, when you hear of testimonies. That's why we had testimonies throughout this year. You hear a testimony. You heard of Darren, how God delivered him. You heard a testimony of Chris sitting at the back here and of Becky. When you hear those testimonies, what you are hearing is what God has done. And it's what God has done. The Bible says this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's what he's done. That's what he's done to a man like Darren. That's what he's done to a man like Chris or a woman like Becky. Rescue them from, the, from the, the, the kingdom or the dominion of darkness and translated them, brought them out from the kingdom of darkness, out from the power of Satan, out from the clutches of the enemy and brought them into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. That is what you hear when somebody says, I'm born again. When someone says, I'm a Christian. They have been rescued from that place and brought in to a new place. King Herod was disturbed because he heard that a new kingdom was coming. That's the first thing. The second thing we want to look at, the second D here, is deceit. King Herod then turned to the religious leaders, again, what Mike said was so true. You need to watch out for religious people. I hate religion. Religion is always bad. Relationship with Christ is what we're talking about this morning, not religion. Religion is full of rules and regulations, but relationship with Christ is different. And here we have religious leaders seen in this chapter. You need to watch them very closely. Herod turns around and the wise men said to him, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And Herod turns around to his religious leaders and he says to them, what is this business about a king? What king? Where? How? And he begins to ask the religious leaders about this king. What do they do? Well, the Bible tells them what they did. 
When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they had the answer, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. Now you would have thought that these men would have turned around and, and heard that and read from the prophet that the Messiah, the king, was going to be born in Bethlehem. You would have thought that these men would have turned around and said, listen, why are we hanging out in Jerusalem? Why are we staying here? Let's just go with these, that caravan of, 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 of wise men, all those people traveling to Jerusalem. Let's leave our church, leave Jerusalem, and let's go and see this king. You would have thought they would have said that. I remember uh, watching some of these old cowboy films back in the day, you know, and a guy comes into a saloon and he cries out, gold, gold. Everybody in the whole saloon jumps on their wagons, get the family and the kids on board and they're charging down to the nearest creek and everybody's looking for gold. But here these wise men came with a greater message. They turned around and said, a king is born. Now you would have thought these religious men, these men who studied the Bible, these men who read the scriptures, these men who knew what Isaiah said, would have turned around and said, man, I've got to leave everything and go and see this king. But they do not. They reject him. They stay where they are. Maybe because they were fearful of the king. Maybe their lives were very comfortable in the palace. Maybe it was too long for them to travel. But whatever it is, they valued their own lives more than they valued Christ himself. Yes, the Bible says in Bethlehem, they said, Oh yes, Isaiah mentioned that the Messiah is going to be born. Are you going? You've read it yourself. Are you going? No, 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 no. Can't be bothered. Comfortable in a palace. Nice here. What's the point of traveling? No, I'm not going. Look what the word of God says. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. These people, says God, they come near me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, I fear that we live in a day where too many churchgoers are happy to honor the Lord with their lips. Too many people are happy coming together in church and, and singing, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Or, you know, Christ the Lord is risen today or coming today. Or, or nothing wrong with these, 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 these carols, nothing wrong with these, these hymns. But so often it's lip service. I was stopped the other week um, when I was in church. A guy came up to me and he said to me, um, um, Jerry, um, my wife... Um, don't care too much about church, he says. 
But when's your carol service? She likes singing carols. A bit like karaoke or Knees Up Mother Brown. Or something like that. She likes getting a good sing song. But she doesn't like church. And I think to myself, what, is God, what does God think of this carol singing? What does God think of all these melodies and all these harmonies and all these choir boys and all these organ music? What does God think of all the carol singing that is going on at mass in this time of year? What does God think of it? That's why I was asking myself when I was preparing this sermon, what does God think? And as I was preparing this, the words came into my heart from Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. People like the singing, they like the sound of their voices, they like the carols and the harmonies, they like the organ playing and the, the choir boys, they like all these things, they like the outward appearance, but God doesn't look for that. No, 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 no. God looks at the heart. And the question is, what is your heart like? That's the question. What is your heart like? And before you answer that question and tell me, well, my heart is not that bad, let me tell you what God thinks of your and my heart. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's your heart and mine. Oh, we can sit here saying, oh, my heart's not as bad as that man across the road. I'm in church and he's not. But the Bible says that your heart and mine is this, deceitfully wicked, desperately ungodly. I ain't finished yet. How about King Herod? That's the religious leaders. How about King Herod? What does King Herod say? Well, King Herod, let's go back to the king, and here he is. Then King Herod called the Magi secretly and, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me. So I too may go and worship him. Here is the king. He secretly calls these men into a back room in the private chambers. Make sure no one was around. And he calls them and said, listen guys, when you go, find out where this baby is. And, and when you find him, don't tell anybody, come and speak to me. That I too might worship him. what God says. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord. Who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing. King Herod thought to himself, let me take these guys into a secret place. Let me speak to them privately. Let me tell them to, um, to report back to me. Because I've got a plan in my heart. Nobody knows it, but I've got a plan. You fool, Herod. 
God knows the plan of your heart. You fool, Herod. God knows your secrets. God knows that your intention was never to worship Jesus. Your intention was to murder him and kill him. God knows your plan. You fool, Herod. No point in hiding. No point in pretending. You see, God has created you and me. I don't know why you're here this morning. I want to tell you this morning, God created you. And because God has molded you like, like clay. In fact, the word of God said he, he takes us from the, the dust of the earth and, and, and he molded us. The Bible says that even in the baby in the mother's womb, God knitted the child together. Even scientists don't know how the bones are formed in such an intricate, wonderful way. And the eye is so miraculously created in a child. And in your face at the moment, is absolutely a miracle. And God himself creates and molds you. And yet you think that you can hide from the Lord. If you're hiding this morning, God says no. The spotlight is on you. In fact, the spotlight is always on you every time but you need to look and you need to know the character of God you're being convicted this morning you're hiding from God this morning hiding from your wife this morning hiding from your husband this morning hiding from your family this morning you've got things in your heart and your life that you're hiding this morning I want to tell you you need to know the character of God But the spotlight is on this morning. And this is the character of God. Look what he says. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That is the God that you're coming to this morning. He is a God of compassion. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. No matter what you're hiding, no matter what you can't face yourself, no matter what skeletons you've got in your cupboard, God himself is able to draw near to you and just say, come to me. I'm a God of compassion and a God of love. Not only that, that heart that I was talking about, that heart that is deceitful above all things and desperate. You know that heart that you've got and that I've got? What does God say about that heart? He says this. I will give you, hallelujah, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. That is the God's that he calls you to himself. Yes, the religious leaders, they didn't want to go and worship Jesus. They stayed put. Herod thought he can hide his plans from God and harden his heart, but really he wanted to murder the child. But I want to tell you this morning, God calls you to him. And whatever your secrets are, whatever your reason is for rejecting Christ, whatever thing you're hiding God said, come, I'm compassionate, I'm gracious, I'm loving, I'm slow to anger. And I will give you a new heart. I will take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh.
Praise be to God. Well, let's just take this sermon home and finish off with a last D this morning. Destruction. We read some of the dreadful words in this account of Jesus' arrival in Bethlehem. You don't hear this much preached. Nobody wants to preach this part of the Christmas story. But he's here. What is this part of the Christmas story? Well, here it is. After Herod found out that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. He was furious, the Bible says. So mad was he, such a murderous heart he had, that every two-year-old child in Bethlehem and the surrounding area was murdered. Not hear about that during the Christmas time, but that's what happened. I'm reminded of what happened when God had Moses come into the world. Do you remember? Moses grew up to be a deliverer of the people of Israel. To lead them out of bondage and slavery. But do you remember what happened when he was born? What was going on when he was born? Do you remember? Well, the Bible tells us what was happening when Moses was born. Then Pharaoh gave the orders to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born... You must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Moses was born into that situation where every boy was being thrown out. And Moses was going to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. Now similarly, Jesus was born to do exactly the same work as Moses, but only at a far greater scale. To deliver, to rescue To save men from sin and slavery and the kingdom of darkness. And to bring them out into a land flowing with milk and honey. That is what Jesus Christ has come to do. And Satan would do everything and anything to stop that from happening. Would even destroy two-year-old children in order to stop Christ from delivering men and women out of hell. Listen, and I close with this. Satan will still do anything to stop you leaving his kingdom. You know that. You need to listen to me very carefully. You may have friends and family who need to hear me. Take this back to them. Satan will do anything To stop you leaving his kingdom. He will get family members to laugh at you and to scorn you. He will trouble your finances. He will even use bereavement to stop you coming to Christ. I could tell you of people that I knew and I know. Who after the death of a loved one ran to mediums and spiritists for answers. 
instead of running to Christ. Running into the arms of the devil. Give me an answer. I want to speak to my loved one. I want to get in touch with the dead. I want to, I want to hear their voice again. And they run to the devil rather than running to Christ. The devil will do anything and everything to stop you leaving his kingdom. I want you to hear me this morning. But the Bible says again, and I will repeat myself, the reason why the Son of God appeared was to completely destroy, not to disable, not to weaken, but to destroy the work of the devil. The prison doors are opened. The gates of hell have been pushed back. Jesus Christ has come so that you no longer need to be a slave to the kingdom of darkness. No need to obey the voice of the enemy. But now he has come that you might have light in your life. The world is full of darkness. But Jesus Christ has said, I am the light of the world. Those who walk with me, those who believe in me, will never walk, never walk in darkness. In fact, my final verse is this. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, cleanses us, washes us from all sin. Every sin, every stain that has ever been on your life. Everything that you have been ashamed of, thing that you are embarrassed of, thing that you regret, every sin that you ever commit now in the past or in the future, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, says the word of God, from all sin. That is destroying the devil's work. Hallelujah. That is destroying the enemy. That is crushing him right now. Because you can walk out of this church this morning. Coming in. In the kingdom of darkness. Coming in with sin. Laying on you. And leaving in the kingdom of the son whom he loves. My dear friend. You might smile. But I'm telling you. If you do not repent. Then you too. Will also perish. God is calling men and women. To turn from the wickedness and to turn to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that even though men reject you, even though men turn their backs on you, I thank you that you're compassionate and that you're gracious. I thank you that the door is still open. Lord, I'm fearful that one day, I know that one day that door will be closed. I know that one day this offer wouldn't be taken back. There's an expiry date, Lord. I don't know what the date is, but there's an expiry date on this wonderful promise. But I thank you that it's not today. And I praise you. As your word says, today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your heart. Lord, change our hearts, we pray. Put a new spirit in us. Make us men and women, Lord, who will turn and lay hold of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.